Let's read those words from John, the opening words in John chapter 1, those words that have just been echoing through our service this morning. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Speak to us once more, God, by your word of truth, that our lives may be filled with your joy, and reflect your glory this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. So I have to ask as we read this, what is going on with John? As John begins this account here and writes his gospel of Jesus Christ, he doesn't make any reference to the nativity story that we know and love. Where are the shepherds? Where's the manger? Where are the wise men? Where are the angels? What's going on, John? Do you not know this Christmas story? What's happening with John? I think if we take a step back for a moment and we eliminate our preconceived notions of what should be included in the nativity story, what should we be looking at as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, we will see that John is indeed giving us a nativity story. John is giving us a longer version of the nativity story. John begins his story where the other Gospels writers do not. John goes all the way back to in the beginning. John says in the beginning. And this phrase of lo alone would have sent those who first heard this all the way back. Their minds would have went back to probably where your minds just went, I hope all the way back to creation story where genesis opens with those words in the beginning 
And so in the beginning is not a, a moment in time, but John is using it to describe this timeless eternity. So in this timeless eternity is where he takes us. And in this timeless maternity was the Word. The Word. That's a, a phrase that John is using to describe Jesus. I think he uses this to connect with his audience. See, the, the phrase, the Word... Uh, in Greek is logos and it means to speak at the basic level to speak and the Greek thinkers of this day and the Gentile audience would have understood they understood this concept of the word to be the one who spoke and kept order to the chaos of the world these pagan people thought well we see what's going on in the world and we know that behind all of this going on in this world there is a voice there is someone who speaks to hold this whole world in order that is the word and that's what the stoic philosophers talked about now the jewish people they knew this word to be god because god spoke and he created order out of chaos and so as john speaks to the audience of the day. He uses this idea of the word to communicate uh, through the culture to both the Greeks and the Gentiles so that they could know who Jesus was and get an understanding of who he is as the one who speaks on behalf of God, the one who is the voice of God. And as he says at the very end, Jesus is the one who has made him known. He is the word revealing God before us he is the word and then what does he say about the word the word was was and was the word was in the beginning that means he existed in in all of all of time there never was a moment where Jesus was not he was there in the beginning was the word and the word was with God All right with God this this is a description of saying he was equal there with God it's a predicate talking about position they were there face to face existing at the same time with different natures but equal he was with God and he was God the very same essence of God Jesus is and then John reiterates it in the next verse in verse 2 he just wants to drill it in and he said he was with God in the beginning what I want you to know is the one that we are talking about on this Christmas day John says the one who came into the world Jesus Christ he is God John right here is establishing the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. He was fully God. That's what John wants us to know. And then, understanding that Jesus is fully God, John now proceeds, if, if, you, if you hold on to that idea that Jesus is fully God, what he says next begins to rattle our brains a little bit, because he says in verse 14 that the word, Jesus, fully God, 
became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Became flesh. I mean, think about this for a moment. He became flesh that Jesus took all of that is that makes him God, all of his godness, which I can't even wrap my arms around, and he, he put it into the temporal uh, body of a human being. All of God now being in the body of a human being, and I had no good illustration for this other than this morning I thought, what would it be like if I would say, you know what, I want to, to live and dwell among the ants. And I'm going to take all that it means to be human, right? All the goodness of being a human. But I'm going to, for the sake of becoming an ant, leave that aside and, and, and be an ant. Okay? Probably none of us would make that trade, right? <laughs> that's a pretty bad, pretty bad trade. But that's exactly, and actually not exactly, that's not even close to what Jesus did, right? Because he was fully God, and he put himself in flesh into a human being with our limitations that we have and it says then he dwelt among us the word dwell means is is tabernacle have you heard that word before in leviticus tabernacle which is the temporary dwelling place of god and that's what jesus did is he came to earth and he pitched his tent to live among us is the temporary dwelling place of God. That's what he did. That should, that should rattle you a little bit to think about this. I mean, so often a Christmas just rolls by and we're like, oh yeah, God with us, God with us. Right? But we are told that this is why the angel said, the virgin will give birth to a baby and you will call him Emmanuel because this is God with us Jesus God putting on flesh dwelling among us that just blow your mind because it doesn't look like it it looks like everybody's in deep thought maybe about it I'll give you I'll give you that credit this morning but think about it this phrase you probably could marinate on for a long time what does it mean for God to put on flesh and come and dwell among us. But maybe you're here and you're like, okay, Pastor Bob, I've heard that, but that's really a hard pill to swallow, right? Now, there were probably Jews in the day where John is writing this. They're like, that Jesus, there's no way he was God. No way could God come down. No way could Jehovah come down and dwell among us in, in, in people form. And certainly the pagans would be like, not a chance. We don't even have one of our pagan gods who would ever stoop that low. Our pagan gods could care less about people, let alone want to become a person. That's just the most ridiculous thing we ever heard. And maybe you have some of that same skepticism running through you today. I know that there are scholars out there who want to convince us that this whole story is simply a myth. It's something made up for our own comfort. And we get a lot of skepticism about this. I get that, and I think John hears that skepticism as well, because what John next says is that the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. 
seen. We, the disciples, we, those who follow Jesus, we who are living right here, who walked and talked, we, we saw him. This is with your eyeballs, right? Jesus, I, I see him. There, there he is. He's, he's not a figment of my imagination. He's not an apparition. He's not just something we're making up. But right here with my eyeballs, I see Jesus Christ. We have seen him. So if you think I'm telling you nonsense, it's not because we have seen him. And when we have seen him, we saw his glory. Glory. That's the adjective John uses. Because you imagine, what would it be like to see Jesus? What, what, what would you see? Would you see him loving people? Would you see him being kind to people? Would you see that he was peaceful? With, what, what, what would it be? And John attaches the adjective glory. We saw his glory. Now in Hebrew, that word glory is chabad. Chabad, which means weighty. All right? It means weighty. It means to be heavy. And so when they use this word glory, they're saying, we see, saw Jesus Christ. He has put on this human flesh, but everything that exudes out of him, his kindness, his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness, his teaching, his miracles, everything that comes out of him is God bursting forth through this flesh, and we just see it, and it keeps layering up and layering up and layering up, and it is so heavy. The full weight of God is on him. You just look at him. You just see him with your eyes. We've seen him. And what do you see? My goodness, it's God just bursting out of him. And the weight is, he's God. Because we can't describe it. Because there's been no one else who's come across the face of the earth like this. It's God. We've seen his glory. And John goes on, if you page through his gospel, he begins to tell you, and right away in chapter 2, that Jesus turned water into wine. Water into wine. Think about that. He had creative ability to take one substance of water and turn it into wine. Think about that. Is that not amazing? We beheld his glory. He turned water into wine. And then John in chapter 4, the sick are healed. The lame man, a lame man who has been laying by this pool for 38 years on a mat. The guy's legs are all gnarly and paralyzed. He sits there, he's helpless and hopeless. And Jesus, with the spoken word, right? He's the word. He speaks. He says, Take up your mat, walk. And the man like that gets up and walks. Who can do that? We beheld his glory. John moves on in chapter 6. Jesus is feeding 5,000 men, women, and children. There's probably 10,000 people being fed by two loaves and three fish. Who can do that? Who can do that? We watched it. It just got multiplying and multiplying. We picked up 12 basketfuls. Oh, my goodness. We, we beheld his glory. And then, ah, you know what he did after that? He walked on water. We saw it with our eyes. He's walking on water. Who could walk on water? We saw his glory. It was God just coming out of him. We beheld his glory. And John goes on and he says, he restored the man's sight. He was blind. And now he, he said, see. And now the man can see. We beheld his glory. And then he stood in front of Lazarus's tomb. And Lazarus has been dead. For days, the stench is building up. 
he says, take that stone away. And with the word, he says, come forth. And Lazarus is raised from the dead. Who can do that? We beheld his glory. It just came out of Jesus over and over and over again. And John says this in the very last words of his book. He says, these are just a few of the things that Jesus did. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. We saw it. We beheld his glory, says John. And then he tells us that he came with grace and truth. Jesus came with grace and truth. And this, this causes me to think, this, this could have went very badly. Because what if Jesus just came in truth? Fully God. I am God. I am righteous. I am perfect. I am holy. You are not. The truth is, you are to be holy as I am, and because you are not, the wages of sin is death. death. The wages of sin is death. Here I am, God in flesh, dwelling among you, and you are all now going to die. Because you deserve it. Because you're sinful. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everyone would deserve to die. And, and, and truth would be that he would come with judgment. The truth would be that he would come in wrath. Here's the standard. You don't measure up. That's the truth. But John tells us that he, he didn't come with truth, just truth, did he? He came with truth and we got to hold on to that and word, don't we? He came with truth and grace. He says it in verse 14. The Son came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he says it again in verse 17, that he came with grace and truth. And I understand the truth aspect, but Jesus also came into this world as God, with grace. When I was young, I learned that definition, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's how I learned about grace. Some people will say it's that we get what we do not deserve. And that's what Jesus did when he came into the world. We deserved death. But as he walked and he dwelt among us and he lived, he showed us who God is. He showed us that God did not just have truth for us, but God also had grace. And that grace is that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God sent Jesus into the world to be sin for us. He who knew no sin was perfect, came into the world to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's why he came into the world. That's why he was born into this world. So that we, that we who deserved death could be given life, could be given life. That's what he came into the world to do. And that's what John wants us to see. 
that Jesus Christ on this Advent event, this Christmas event, when he comes into the world, that Jesus is the central character and Jesus is the culmination of where the Bible story has been heading. Jesus came into this world to die so that we could be saved. That's why John the Baptist declared when he saw Jesus coming, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the perfect one, came into the world to be sacrificed on the cross, taking our punishment and taking our judgment from God, setting us free, and he put his righteousness on us so that as we stand before God, God says, well done. And all he sees is our righteousness. And he sees Jesus Christ. That's the message of the Christmas story. And so we need to realize that as we think about the manger at Christmas, that the manger always should probably be in the shadow of the cross. The manger should always be in the shadow of the cross. The Christmas story isn't just so that we can ooh and ah over a baby or that we can have a nice pageant or we can light up nice trees and feel all warm and cuddly. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the cross, about Jesus Christ who came into the world full of truth and grace so that we could be saved. That's why the angel said to Joseph, give him the name Jesus. Give him the name Jesus. Why Jesus? Because the name means he will save his people. And so friends, as you consider this Advent season, have you received this gift that God has sent into the world? Because John says he's here for one purpose, that those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. That's it. Do you believe in his name? Have you received him as he comes into the world once again? Christmas is a lot about giving gifts. We all, it's a central part of what Christmas is about. Everybody knows that when you get a gift, you actually take it, you receive it, right? You open it up and you enjoy the gift. You don't take the gift and set it off to the side. You receive the gift. And John is saying here, that's what you must do. God sent Jesus into the world to come and live and dwell among us to save us from our sins, to go to the cross, be sin that we couldn't be for ourselves. He does this in grace for us. And John says, you need to receive it. You need to believe what Jesus has done for you. Do you believe that you are a sinner who is guilty and you deserve the judgment of God? Do you believe that and do you believe only through Jesus' perfection that you are ever going to stand holy before God? That's what we are to believe. And we believe that with our heart and our soul and mind and strength so that we turn 180 degrees and we say, I'm no longer part of this world, but I am now a part of the kingdom of God and my mind is set on the things above and I am following Jesus and I'm remaining in him, being obedient to his word so I can continue to walk in the righteousness that he put on me. I'm going to make sure that this perfection he gave me is not stained or soiled in any way and I'm going to live according to God's ways and his purposes because I know that that's life and I know that that's the light. I'm no longer going to walk in the dark. 
Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. And that cross is not just a few inconveniences. It's not a few Christian struggles. That cross is death. Just as Jesus died on the cross, we're going to say, I'm going to die to this world, and I'm going to live a new life in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. It's not just dabbling in Jesus Christ. It's going 100% with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Are you going to receive that gift? Have you received that gift? Because in the next 28 days, the only thing that matters, not the Christmas cookies you got to put together, it's not the presents, not the holiday parties that you're going to attend, it's not any of that that we fill our lives within this busyness of the season. The only question that needs to be answered between now and then that will make an eternal difference in your life is have I received Jesus Christ? Have I seen him in his glory? And his glory was most expressed when he was on the cross. And there he was, full of grace and truth, giving his life for you and for me. Have you received it? Have you believed? Today as you sit here, can you say, yes, I am a child of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come here in this day and, and we are so grateful for this season which reminds us again of your great love. And, and thank you for John's words that just kind of come at us full force. And we need that, God, to recognize who we are and to recognize what you have done for us. And so here we sit thinking about it. Jesus who came and dwelled and lived among us, full of truth and grace. And God, I ask right now that that you would stir in our hearts, where we would be honest in this moment to know whether or not we have received Jesus Christ. Maybe we've done it lip service. Maybe we haven't done it at all. And God, I want to pray for those who are unsure in this morning, God. And that in this day and that in this hour, they would say, yes, I want to receive this gift, God, that you sent me. I want to receive your grace. I want to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. God, would you send your spirit and call those to you who have been far from you? Would you call those to you who have been walking in the ways of this world? And in this very Christmas Advent season, show them the glory of the manger. Show them the glory of the cross so that they they can step across that line of faith. Friend, if that's you, I just, I just encourage you, just, just put your hand in the air right now and just say, God, I want to receive your gift. God, I want to receive your gift. Thank you. God, I want to receive your gift. Right now, let today be the day. Don't let the season go by. Reach out for that gift of glory. And if you are here this morning and that has been a gift that you have received, May this morning and may this season, may you renew the joy of your salvation and recognize that Jesus Christ calls you to walk with your all in all. Give him your all. Give him your heart. And this morning as we 
come to the table where we can tangibly receive Jesus through the elements. We ask, God, that you would help us prepare our hearts and just remember we take those elements. Remember your grace. And as we take these elements together as a community, we declare your glory. Your glory which brought us from darkness into light, which gave us from despair and brought hope. God, which uh, brought us from sin into holiness. And we declare your glory for doing that. For you who gave us new life, not because of anything that we have done, but just through Jesus our Savior, the grace of God with us.